Okay, we'll get started. Thanks everyone for joining Mavs Film Room Spaces. Mavericks just got their fifth straight win. They improved to eight games over 500 for the first time this season with a 112 to 104 victory over the Washington Wizards at home. It was a frustrating game for about three quarters for the Mavericks, and it looked like they were on their way to yet another letdown against um, an inferior opponent at home. But in the fourth quarter, the Mavericks took over. The Wizards started to look more like the Wizards that we've seen all season long, and the Mavs were able to pull this one out there um, in crunch time. It was honestly a pretty balanced effort for all the starters in this game. Kyrie Irving, 26 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Luka Doncic struggled for a lot of this game, but you know, took over in the fourth quarter, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 15 assists. He did not have a turnover, or maybe I think he had one turnover in the second half, uh, but he was, he was good in the fourth quarter. Uh, Daniel Gafford, what, to, what can you say about him? 16 points, 17 rebounds, 5 blocks in just 24 minutes in this game. He was huge despite um, sitting for a large portion of crunch time. Um, he was dominating this game for the Mavericks. Josh Green, I thought, had some big plays down the stretch. 13 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. And Jaden Hardy came up with two big three-pointers in the fourth quarter uh, to help the Mavericks, you know, finally close the gap with Washington. I mean, the Mavs were hanging around. It was a, you know, six, seven, eight, nine-point deficit for them for a large part of the second half. But Jaden Hardy hit two three-pointers in, in the fourth quarter to help the Mavericks uh, get closer to within Washington and then you know, eventually help them uh, complete the rally, take the lead, and win the game. So I think he deserves credit for this one. And Maxi Kleba, I thought, came up with some big plays too, um, including the three-pointer that gave the Mavericks the lead. You know, overall, the Mavericks struggled from three in this game. Uh, until the fourth quarter, they had only made five threes, and they only finished the game shooting nine of 36 from three, which is, you know, uncharacteristically bad for the Mavericks. But they did just enough to get the win. Um, it was a pretty sloppy game. The Mavs had 12 or 13 turnovers in the in the first half. Uh, luckily, they cut that number down to just two or three in the second half, so that was good. Um, P.J. Washington, I thought, had kind of a you know subpar game, but he came up with a big basket there uh, at the end of the game, and I thought he played pretty good defense on Kyle Kuzma uh, throughout the game. And I think P.J. Washington will start to uh, you know his fit will start to look better. Um, you know, as he gets more comfortable here. One more game until the All-Star break uh, against San Antonio on Wednesday. And uh, hopefully the Mavericks can push this win streak to six games. So that's that for this one. Um, maybe I'll start bringing some people up uh, to talk. We'll start with Zach. Zach, how's it going, man? Hey, Jay. Um, I, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing good. How about you? Good. Uh, better than I was like 20 minutes ago. Definitely. I agree. I agree with everything you said. I just I think I want to emphasize some points more than others. I think with the effort we gave in the first half, I think a big part of that is because we're playing the Wizards. And I also think the Wizards are the only team we could have come back against the way this fourth quarter went. Because the Mavs weren't lights out in the fourth quarter e either. I, I credit Jaden Hardy. For making some shots, but I'm watching this and I'm like, the Wizards are just gonna have to keep having really poor shot selection 
and not finishing at the rim. And they just over and over and over did that. And it's like a chicken and the egg thing. I do think we came out a little flat because it's the Wizards and we're coming off a big win. Um, I wanted to shout out a couple things. One, uh, and I was texting this to some other people, I've been really impressed with Josh. I think his consistency, the consistency of the things he's bringing to the table, as in things he's doing on a regular basis. I like the motion. I like his driving to the basket. He seems attentive. He seems intent on finishing at the basket strongly. So these are all really good things. Um, I really liked PJ, even though he's not making his threes, he's always trying to make an impact. Um, it was a little concerning still seeing when we were trying to make the comeback, he was getting blown by a little bit. Um, but I'm just curious what you think about those things. In addition to Gafford, obviously being phenomenal. I was really annoyed with Luca in the first half, just sloppy. Uh, yeah, but those are the things that I noticed the most. Yeah, uh, I think those are good observations. Josh Green, like like you said, I think he's shown a lot of consistency since uh, moving into the starting lineup. And tonight, um, you know, he didn't have the flashiest stat line, but if you watch this game, you know, his activity as usual was high. And I thought he had a lot of good, uh, you know, cuts off the ball, um, you know, just aggressive drives to the basket. Of course, he's a force in transition for the Mavericks. And, I, you know, the starting lineup is where he belongs. I, I don't think you can bench him with how he's playing right now. Um, yeah, Luca had a rough first half um, with just, you know, all these those turnovers that he had. Um, you know, Wizards really locking down the entire Mavericks team, you know, preventing them from hitting their threes, uh, getting easy baskets. But, you know, luckily the Mavs were able to adjust there in the second I, half. I, I think one of my biggest pet peeves, and, you know, it, it comes with the Luca territory, but when we are bleeding the way we are in the first half, and then Luca takes just like a pull up, th- contested pull up three, not even his step back. It's like when there's 14 seconds on the shot clock and the Wizards are on a run, and there's time to set and good get a good basket or drive. That drives me crazy. That I know Luca's brilliant, but that he doesn't. I, I would like to see a little bit more on court maturity and grasping of the situation. I'm not talking about clutch. I'm talking about earlier in the game that can maybe maybe dig you out of these holes sooner because Luca did this two or three times where he's taking these low percentage, nonchalant, motionless shots. And I really think it exacerbated it in the first half. Like it's almost a, another turnover. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know Jeffrey Cooperstein uh, came up here, so I'll let him speak in just a second, but I do want to respond to that quickly. I, I agree with you. A lot of his three point attempts, uh, because they're step backs, they do you know provide these long rebounds, which often result in transition opportunities for the other team. So uh, when he's not hitting them, it can definitely be kind of take the life out of you on offense. But luckily, uh, didn't hurt them too much. Uh, Vinay, Jeffrey, uh, you guys are up right now. How's it going? What's going on, man? Um, I thought it was a really bad 36 minutes, and then a pretty good 12 minutes, and I guess that's enough to beat the Wizards. Uh, Luke obviously took over when he came in and that's kind of what they needed because it felt like it was kind of slipping away from them there. Um, I thought they did a pretty good job on defense, especially on, uh, Kuzma between Washington. And I think Kleba down the stretch when he closed instead of Gafford, that kind of surprised me, but Wiz the Wiz weren't really playing with the true five. And so Kleba actually worked out and I thought he had a really good game, uh, on the defensive end as well. And yeah, I, I 
completely agree with the Josh Green point that I think he needs to be in the starting five going forward. I don't think there's I, I, I don't think he needs to be coming off the bench. I think he needs to be starting and he needs to be closing games for this team. Um, kid did leave Tim in there a little too late, but um, he got him out of the game and Luca came in and the rest was pretty much that and they had it under control from there. Yeah, it definitely helped that um, I think, you know, Luca started taking over the game late, but, you know, the Mavericks were a lot more active there in the fourth quarter. I thought the third quarter defensively, they weren't um, fully there and it resulted in them trading baskets uh, when they were trying to make a run. But fourth quarter, Mavs really locked in defensively and, you know, forced the Wizards to miss, I think, all, all their three-pointers. Um, so that was great. Uh, Vinay? Uh, you just joined. How's it going, man? Good. I'm happy they got the W. That's all that matters uh, to me. I don't care how the first 36 minutes looked. It was bad, but absolutely. You know, at the end of the just day, at the end move of the on. Year, definitely, yeah, exactly. definitely. At the end of the year, this chalks up as a W. So that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to make a quick point. I know PJ Washington had a bad game offensively, but man, I'm just I'm a big fan of what I think he's going to bring to this team, just with his size and ability to move defensively at that size. Like, I know Kuzma had 23 points, but he took 19 shots to do, and I thought he did a really good job on him. Uh, I almost wish we had two of them out there, so we had someone on Denny Advia too. But regardless, like, having that type of player on this team, like, playoff time is going to be massive. Yeah, I thought uh, P.J. Washington did a great job on on Kyle Kuzma. Um, Because Kyle Kuzma typically does go off against the Mavericks um, historically, but tonight I don't think he really dominated this game and I think PJ Washington's defense was a large part of it and yeah PJ Washington didn't have a great offensive game but I thought you know he had he had some big buckets um down the stretch Zach what you got yeah and and obviously probably a lot of recency bias here but to Vinay's point um I can't think of a more recent regular season game where I was like win by any means necessary I think given all of these circumstances that we're on a four-game win streak, that we're climbing back up in the standings, that we just had an amazing first game against the one seed in the West with these two new acquisitions, and it was their first game in the starting lineup. The line was like Mavs by 10 points. I was just sitting there like, I first thought, you know, when the game first started, I was like, we should end this by the first quarter. And then when it was dragging on, I was like, "Just, just do something, make it happen. And so I don't, I really don't remember the last time I was like, this is a must win by any means necessary. Maybe against the Hornets, the end of last season, the first game, when we're still trying to make the play in. But other than that, I don't remember the last regular season game against a subpar opponent where I was like, by any means necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's that time of the season really where, you know, you you, you obviously prefer, prefer the wins to look good, but you'll, you'll take the wins any way you can get them. And, you know, especially after that Oklahoma City game, I thought the Mavs proved that with this roster they can compete against some of the best teams in the league. So tonight's game, two games before the All-Star break, I was like, let's just get the win uh, by any means necessary, like you said, and we'll worry about style points later. Did y'all talk about – I missed part of the opening conversation, but did y'all talk about how Gafford didn't close the game today and Maxi did? Not that much, but I'd like to talk about it. So um, go ahead with your thoughts. (laughs) I mean, no, I was just going to say, I think it's kind of interesting that, I mean, since the trade happened, we've kind of assumed that it's going to be Gafford or Lively on the court at all times. But, you know, today kind of interesting that it it definitely helped us come back with Maxi switching 
everything one through five, and he just looks so much better on defense since he's came back from this yeah, most I, recent I, return. Go ahead. I kind of mentioned it where because it the Wizards didn't close with the true five either, so I think Kid just kind of took the matchup and the mobility of Maxi. And I look, I thought he played great in the fourth quarter. I thought he he's been really good over the last couple of weeks, honestly. Like. He's really picked it up on the defensive end, and you know he's not going to give you much offensively, but he did hit that huge three, and uh, the credit credit to Maxi because I kind of thought he was dead in the water there, but nah, he played really good tonight, and I think uh, kid, you know, kid put faith in him, and Maxi rewarded him. Yeah, and he's got some of his athleticism back too, which is you know, like you said, helped him move on defense, helped him contest shots better, and then also on offense, it's helped him be able to put the ball on the floor and finish dunks. Like he had a big dunk during that that run there at, towards the end of the game got the crowd going got the team going and you know he looks he looks a little bit more like the player that we're used to seeing so it took a while to get to this point but i'm glad we're here um okay let's let's, let's see what else what else we can talk about in this game i mean daniel daniel gafford i mean I thought it was interesting that he didn't close the game, uh, but 16 points, 17 rebounds, five blocks in just 24 minutes is crazy. Yeah, and and uh, he was obviously awesome there. I think on a positive note, I say this you know constructively. I think the positive thing is there is even more room for him to grow with his contributions. I think a play that really stands out is when Luca looked off the defense and truly did throw a perfect lob, and the reason it didn't converge because Gafford was so surprised he had to jump late and the timing was off. And I think that'll just come with more time. So, and, and finishing out the basket, I'm sure I didn't watch him that much in Washington, but I'm sure he's not used to getting this many opportunities. So I think just with more reps and more playing time, that'll improve too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think Gafford is such a re- revelation for the Mavericks. Like on offense, I mean, he's just such a force rolling to the basket. I mean, Teams obviously have to respect him. They have to respect his length. Um, and then, you know, just like he has a nose for the ball um, on the offensive glass as well as, like, anytime there's a loose ball in the paint, he's, you know, much more capable of corralling it than, than maybe we've seen other Mavs players doing. And defensively, it feels like the refs actually allow him to play defense. Um, so that, you know, it just gives the Mavericks a different look, and it's no coincidence that these two games the Mavs have looked pretty good on defense uh, with the final score. I wonder if you start seeing some Maxi at the four and either Gafford or Lively at the five against bigger teams, like, for instance, the Lakers off the top of the head, because if Maxi's going to have some of his athleticism back and this team wants to get bigger, I mean, that's kind of a way you could do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like after yeah, tonight, I would be kind of surprised if PJ came off the bench again. I mean, maybe it happens, but I kind of feel like I think he's just going to be a staple in the starting lineup going forward with him and then at the four and then lively at the five. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of have to start PJ Washington. Uh, I mean, again, like even when the trade was made, I always felt that his fit was less clear, but that's okay. I mean, it'll take some time, but you know, that's what the all-star break is for. And I think, you know, down the stretch, we'll see much more optimized PJ Washington fit with the Mavs. I mean, hopefully he can start knocking down his threes. I mean, I don't think he, I think he was 0 for 4, 0 for 5 tonight. He was 1 for 4 against OKC. So um, hopefully those start falling at some point. 
Why weren't we running any offensive sets to start the game? I, I don't think it was anyone who noticed it. it. It looked like a totally different offense. The first two, just even starting the first two minutes, we weren't doing anything. It did. I wasn't sure about that. Maybe they were trying to just get Gafford a revenge game or something because that's what it felt like. Um, but yeah, I agree with you on that. There, there may not be an actual reason for it. Um, okay, we might bring other, some other people up unless you guys have anything else to to add on this game. No, that's really it. Just a good win, and I mean, they're all good wins at this point, so you take it, you move on, and we're on to San Antonio. For sure. Well, yeah, thanks, uh, Jeffrey, and thanks, Zach, uh, for joining. I'm going to add a couple other people. Um, led unpopular takes up here. I know they've been waiting for a little bit. Apologies for the delay. Um, unpopular takes. How's it going? Oh. Did they just... Is there anybody else in the queue who's requested to speak? Uh, there, there's, there's about three other people, so I don't know. Unpopular takes just left, so I'll add Rajan up here. And let Nigel up there if, uh, if he's still requested. Okay, I, I don't believe I see him. Rajan, how's it going? Hey, hi, hi. Oh, I thought you I thought you were calling on popular teams. <laughs> I thought that was Yeah, I, I think I think they they dropped off, but um oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Um like you said, uh needed this win. And whether it's against Minnesota or Washington, they co- they all count the same amount. And um, you know, after the you know, after the way they played against uh, OKC, I mean, had they lost today, um a lot of the feel-good factor, some of the momentum, you know, you, you'd probably start doubting them again. <clears throat> I want to ask you guys, I was a, were you a bit surprised that Gafford started today? Because, um, you know, I thought, you know, he might uh, sort of, you know, just just play with Maxi uh, till the All-Star break and give him a bit more time to sort of get familiar with uh, the Mavs and their schemes. Um, I think I was, I think I was surprised, not because it wasn't the right move, but just because, I actually thought it was a smart move by Kid. I, I agree with you. I thought maybe he would have given him more time. Um, I think probably because he played so well against OKC <laughs> and maybe because he was against Washington. But yes, I was yeah. surprised to see Kid to go ahead and insert him into the lineup. Yeah, he he usually isn't that proactive. So uh, I guess in a way it's a positive. Uh, I think probably, uh, you know, one thing about Gafford, uh, I don't know whether you guys agree with me, he seems uh, a bigger, you know, bigger frame. He seems broader than uh, Lively. I mean, that's the one thing about uh, uh, Lively that, you know, when people compare him to Tyson, um, yeah, but he seems a bit skinnier than Tyson at this point. And I think having uh, a slightly broader uh, backup center, I think, is good for the Mavs. Yeah. yeah that- you go ahead, Jay. Yeah, no, I think Gafford's body is definitely uh, more developed than Lively's is. I mean, and that makes sense. I mean, I think Gafford's in his fifth um, NBA season. So, but yeah, I mean, Gafford's strength um, is just something that really sticks out to me. And, and Lively will get there eventually. Like you said, I think Lively's body right now reminds me of Tyson Chandler as a rookie. But, you know, I, I'm sure that that'll fill in um, as time goes on. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been great. I mean, you can't really expect much more of a... A guy in his uh, rookie season, and you know when you think 
he was anchoring the defense or he had the responsibility of anchoring the defense i mean that's a lot to do in your first season absolutely yeah he's been he's been everything and more um nigel i just brought him up uh nigel how's it going good man it was a good win um couple of points um first i i really chalked this game up to just the Mavs are a young team. I don't think people really understand how young this team is. So there's a level of consistency you have to have when you're trying to become a contending or competing team. So that's where you're going to see games like this. I, I was very frustrated, like everybody else, first three, 36 mo- minutes. But just the ability to kind of snap back into reality and actually play like a team that is this talented, I think that's a really good sign for the future. And there's been moments throughout the season, like I can think of, the Phoenix game that just went to hell um, a couple of weeks ago, that was just one moment that came to mind. Just a young team that can kind of lose its focus and the things go downhill. Just so to see the team kind of course correct, I thought that was fantastic. The other thing that I'm really curious to see, I, I really enjoyed Maxine at the five with PJ. I've noticed a couple of times um, in the first two games we've had PJ, like him and Josh on combining on just blowing up screens, whether it's um, – SGA, for instance, they got a couple of steals off of that. They've done the same thing with Kuzma. So just that added switchability, I think, is really key. And I'm really curious to see if we run out that small ball, Maxi at the 5, PJ at the 4, Josh at the green lineup a lot in the playoffs. You're going to see, like, against Phoenix, that would be really huge. And some of these other teams, I can see that lineup work really, really well. So those are my biggest takeaways. That That is a good observation. And I think, you know, that formula really did work for the Mavericks and uh, 2022, uh, at least like the first two rounds of the playoffs. I mean, I know everyone loves to clown Dwight Powell, but he was a big part of that uh, defensive scheme, being able to defend at the level of the screen. And then Maxi, we all know he's been a defensive stalwart uh, for many years for the Mavs. So I could definitely see that um, in the playoffs because, I mean, I think when you have small ball five in Maxi and then you have P.J. Washington at the four with his length, uh, that's a very switchable lineup. And then you have you know, you have Josh Green and, and Luca defending the way that they are. I think that's a great recipe to be able to force turnovers and be disruptive. All right. Um, let's see here. We got a couple other people uh, requested, so I'll bring them up as well. Um, we got GC Duns and then Namdi Eric. Apologies, I cannot pronounce your last name, but how's it going? We'll start. Maybe we'll start with uh, Namdi. Or, okay, fine. I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, GC Duns, can you hear me? No. I can I can chime in while you're trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, sure. But I think Nigel brought up a good point about the youth. I think it's one of those things, even though Jake Kidd was saying it a lot when we weren't that young, I think that is something to monitor outside of Kyrie. At, do we have a single rotation piece? Like, Well, I guess Maxie's. Outside of Max and Kyrie, I don't think we have a single rotation piece, like valuable rotation piece older than like 27 years old. Or 25, maybe. Besides Kyrie um, and I guess Maxi, But yeah, I mean, you know, Luca's 24. He's about to turn 25. P.J. Washington's 25. Gafford's 25. Lively's 20. Green is 23. 
Um, I guess Hardaway is 31. Uh, but then Hardy, he's 22, I believe. So, I mean, yeah, the, this team, you know, the, the thing about the trade deadline is, yes, the Mavericks did, you know, spend draft capital. And, of course, that comes with risks. But the reality of those trades were they basically, you know, swapped two non-factors in the rotation for two players that are going to be big parts of the rotation. And in the case of the Holmes for Gafford trade, they got younger there too. So um, that really kind of changed the makeup of this team literally overnight. Yeah, I, I think a way you can look at it is a lot of Mavs' big trades have really been looked at as gambles in recent years. I think going back to KP, that was an expensive price to pay. There was no guarantee. Uh, and then even Kyrie this past year. And then, and then Grant... Grant less so, but still to an extent because he had been unproven in his role. Whereas these trades where we traded two potentially valuable draft picks for two players, they were a little bit more of known quantities from the perspective of, I think it'd be very unlikely that we could have gotten as effective of a player with our 2028 draft pick, assuming Luca is here, like how whatever the delta is in that swap, then like a Gafford who's like a valuable big and PJ Washington, even if he had stayed at what he was, it might've been a little bit of an overpay for a top two protected pick, but he's still going to add value. I think we took de-risked it a little bit by getting young players who had, who had proven themselves a bit. So we knew we were getting somewhat of a known quantity and it was a risk, but not one where the to- the floor was non-existent, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, what, one thing about this trade is like the Mavericks didn't just cash in their picks for a 34-year-old veteran role player that might have one, maybe two seasons left of contributing. Like these guys, you know, they're under contract for two more years each and they're still, you know, just entering their prime right now. Um, so if needed, if the Mavericks do need a different look, you know, in a year or two down down the road, these guys aren't going to be players that they'll be they'll struggle to trade they won't be negative asset contracts um i don't think they will and they're young enough to where teams believe that they can you know they can contribute for more years than that so i think you got that going for them and the mavericks already do have a few young players that if they do need to liquidate for draft capital or make an upgrade will certainly be um, of value to them josh green uh jaden hardy omax prosper probably We'll get to that level by next season. And then Derek Lively, man, I know nobody wants to talk about trading him, and I'm not doing that either, but I'm just saying, like, he's another guy that if the Mavericks do need an asset, he's one that's there. So I don't think that the Mavericks are in that dire of a situation. I mean, yeah, they don't control their draft capital from 2027 to 2030, but if these trades work out the way that they should, it's not going to matter. Okay, um, we'll, we'll do a couple new speakers here quickly. Uh, Namdi, he just requested again. Namdi, how's it going? Yo, what's going on? Can y'all hear me? I can hear you. What's up, man? Oh, my bad. I don't know what happened last time. Yo, what's going on, man? Uh, go Mavs, go Mavs, go Mavs. Um, one thing or maybe two things I want to I wanna point out or, or say is um, – I don't know how this is going to work, but I was just talking to um, my dad about it. 
is there is there a possibility where Jason Kidd can actually start lively in in Gafford? I mean, I think it's possible, but I think their skill sets overlap uh, a little bit too much to do that because both neither of them are shooters, um, and so you want at least like one floor spacing threat in the front court. So I don't think that's particularly likely. Okay. I, I, the reason why I said that is because I was um, back. I don't know. I mean, obviously, y'all probably know uh, back then with the Clippers, with DeAndre Jordan and uh, Blake Griffin. Like, if I don't know if we can possibly do something like that and have uh, Luca, Kyrie, and PJ in there, and then Gafford and, and Lively. I don't know. I just you know just something to try, but you know, and see if that works. If not, you can just go back to your regular you know players. But I think it's gonna work to be honest. Like I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna double team Luca or Kyrie, you got you got two big men in the paint that can that can roll and you know either get a love or you know just do whatever in the paint. So I I think that's a good strategy to to uh to do. It it's possible. I mean, and and it does give you a lot of size um, defensively. I I don't think we'll see it just again because both of them are similar types of players in, in how they play, but I think it, it could be something that you go to as a change of pace. Zach, I think, wants to speak, so I'll let him speak. Yeah, uh, I actually was thinking about this. I think a unique situation where we might actually do that is if we matched up with the Wolves in the playoffs and they're putting Gobert and Cat out there. I actually think that's a rare situation where it might work. And because Gobert's not a shooter, if we have both Lively and Gafford out there, we're only net down one shooter. Other than that, though, I, I think I agree that the skill set overlaps too much. Uh, to Namdi's point about Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, um, that obviously worked well back then. But I think we have to remember we're in a very different era of basketball where like, that was the time where Roy Hibbert was a valuable player. And I don't. Th I think those types of talent, if they played today, I, I just don't think it would have worked the same. Okay. Okay. Nigel, um, what you got? Yeah, I, I I don't like that idea only because I just don't think there's enough mobility on the perimeter. Because even if you were playing against Minnesota, I don't think either big would be comfortable enough to be guarding Cat out of the perimeter because Cat doesn't really operate out the block that much. Most of his value comes from being able to stretch the floor and then handle the ball, get into the paint. So I just don't see the mobility aspect. As, as agile those two bigs are, I don't see laterally enough mobility out of both of them to be on the court together. It has to be one or the other. The only way I can see another big on the court with either of them is we put Maxi at the four because that could work, but I don't see both centers being able to play together. I agree with that, Nambi. Okay, so um, so if that's the case now, if Lively comes back, what are we doing there? Are we are we starting putting Lively back in the starter or or keep Gifford as a starter? Yeah, I, I think we're gonna go probably with Lively as the starter. So one, I think it will be somewhat matchup dependent to start. That's more for playoff series. I think in general we'll have Lively because he's objectively the better player for our offense. The way he passes out, out of the post is really important with the shooters we have. But I think the result is we're, we're going to have 48 constant minutes of a really quality big in there. Whereas tonight, like we talked about the Maxi PJ small ball, 
but that's not always good, but that's our default backup when we just have one. Sorry, Jay, go ahead. No, um, no worries. I just wanted to, I had a thought there based on what you said. Um, yeah, I think Lively is going to start when he comes back. I mean, I know after uh, last game against OKC, there was some uh, talk among you know fans whether Gafford will start um, even when Lively comes back. But I do think that Lively, like you said, is the better player on offense with his passing, but even defensively, I think he's a, a little bit more of a switchable player than Gafford is. I mean, with Gafford in the starting lineup today, the Mavs had to play a lot of drop coverage, which allowed, you know, um, Tyus Jones to hit a lot of those floaters. I think Denny Avdia um, had a strong first half in the game. And so with Lively, you don't you don't play as much drop coverage with him. Um, he's able to switch a little bit more. And that's why you saw Maxi close this game was just his switching ability. Um, I don't think Lively gets played off the floor as much um, as a traditional center typically does because of his switching ability. And like you said, on offense, he's just, a, you know, he's a better passer than Daniel Gafford. So at worst, I could see it as a 24-24 split. Um, but like you said, we'll have quality centers no matter who's on the floor with both of them. Nigel, what do you think about the rotation? Um, I think I was telling you offline that um, I wish him – or I wish Jason Kidd would be more willing to sub Tim out the game when he's just objectively a non-factor on offense. Hardy does, to me, he does everything that Tim does and more because he's able to, to play make and even see a little bit of on-ball defense with them that I think this Tim does not provide. And he's such a, a tunnel vision type of player. I'm not the biggest Tim fan, as you probably know. Um, so I, that's my only gripe about the rotation. Um, yeah, like I said, I love Maxi closing the game. Um, I, I like having PJ and Josh out there together. It's just a Tim element of it. I just kind of wish we could get rid of him quicker when he's not on. Yeah, and I, I, feel, I feel like those um, Tim, Jaden Hardy lineups definitely need to stop happening because, again, just redundant skill sets. And I don't know, with Tim, like you said, if he's not on, and tonight he was not on at all, it just, you know, it's really painful to watch. And a lot of those, you know, missed three-pointers end up as transition opportunities for the opponent. So, uh, luckily, that didn't cost them tonight. But um, I'd like to see him have a little bit shorter of a leash, especially given his, you know, defensive limitations as well. Okay. Um I'll add one more person and then might have to drop off after this. Just want to give them a chance to speak. Seven Mavs fans, seven. How's it going? Hey, guys. Um, something I don't think we talked about a lot tonight is the fact that Derek Jones Jr. was playing 30 minutes a game for us most of the season, and he had maybe 12 tonight. I just don't see in the future the rotation – with PJ and Maxi playing the way he is, and then Gafford and Lively, where he's going to find consistently over 15 minutes a game. I'd be interested in what y'all think about that. But honestly, we were going to pay him <laughs> this summer and probably give him two to three years. So if you look at the trade in that perspective, it kind of saves us from maybe overpaying someone who's great, but someone that we were kind of in a bind if that was our playoff starter, I think. 
Zach Namdi. Um, you guys can go first, and I'll share my thoughts. Namdi, go for it. Nice to a class. Yeah. Um, speaking. Uh, well, I'm gonna pick back to what uh, the, uh, Seven Mavs just said about uh, Derek Jones. I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but me and my boy was just talking about it. Derrick Jones for the past game, he's been looking kind of like I don't want to say Grant Williams. No, I don't want to, you know, put out the panic button on that. But he's been he's been kind of playing different. So I don't know. Maybe maybe in a couple of games, maybe after after All Star, he's gonna come along. But uh, but uh, you know, his minute did drop, and I mean. You gotta have um, all the guys, you know, come up like take his minute. If he's if he's not working for him, just like Timmy, you know, Tim Hardaway. I mean, yes, he can. I mean, when he's shooting, he can shoot the damn ball. But you know, if he's having an off night like this, just just go ahead and sit him down. Like couldn't. I mean, I ain't gonna lie. If it wasn't for Jaden Harden, I swear to God, I think we would have lost this game. To be honest, like I think he brought he brought some kind of energy, and then Luca came in. And then Lord have you know, thank God, and then we, we were able to pull this out. But Jaden Harden, I mean, he's the nobody talk about him that much tonight, but he was the guy, he was the anchor tonight to, to get the Mavs going late. Zach. Yeah, I, I think more specifically, the whole point of the trade for PJ Washington is so we don't have Derek Jones Jr. playing 30 minutes a night because you don't want Derek Jr. Derek Jones Jr. paying playing 30 minutes a night because he's he's a minimum guy after all he's he's valuable for us but I think it's very safe to say he was vastly outperforming his contract and unfortunately in a way that probably wasn't sustainable there are guys who outperform their contract like Brunson where it's wow we got him such a great deal this is going to keep going I don't think Derek was going to be any better and even at that, we were a barely above 500 team. So to the point about where his value is, I think I think he's a valuable spot minute rotation piece in the playoffs. Like if we have to go a more defensive heavy lineup, but one that doesn't sacrifice too much offense, I could see a lineup where we'd have like Luca, Kyrie, Derek, PJ, and a big. Just if we if we want to get really big on the field and not or on the court and not sacrifice too much offense. His ability to knock down threes will always be important. But in general, I don't see too many spots where we need only one wing defender and we're choosing Derek over PJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like uh, Derek and Josh Green are kind of a match on who's you know playing more, just like PJ and Kleba. Gafford and Lively. It seems like those are pretty natural pairings with uh, on a night-to-night basis who is going to be getting the minutes. But the way Josh is playing, I don't see him relinquishing less than 33 minutes a game or so. So just be, be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I think Derek Jones Jr., like, I mean, you guys pretty much covered all of it. Like, he was outperforming his contract. I mean, obviously, he was playing great for us. I still think that he's a valuable piece. Um you know, maybe not on games like tonight where you don't really have as pressing of a need for a point of attack defender, but I could definitely see him being utilized more um, against teams that that do provide that need. Like the Timberwolves, for example, he's defended Anthony Edwards pretty well this season. So that's a matchup where I think he, you know, is more useful. And, and you know, I think maybe as 
the rotation gets figured out, we may find that you know Tim Hardaway Jr. may not need to play as many minutes uh, because we have seen this team be successful in the past without Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and I know Derek Jones Jr. is probably not going to be um, the quite the shooter that he was at the beginning of the season, but I mean, if he's able to maintain his 34% mark for the rest of the season, I think that that's fine. Um, but I do think that the Mavs will have a realistic shot of retaining him this summer just because he's no longer playing that much above this contract. But again, that's a, that's a discussion for another day. So I uh, don't want to harp on it too much, but I got to go right now. So appreciate all of you guys uh, coming up and speaking. I'm glad we could bring some speakers up. Thanks, Zach, Nigel, Namdi, uh, seven Mavs fan, as well as some of the others that we had up here um, earlier, Vinay, Jeff. Uh, we'll be back. Another episode of Mavs Film Room Spaces at some point. I don't know about after the next game, but maybe uh, during the All-Star break or after the All-Star break. Um, one more game left against San Antonio on Wednesday, and then the Mavs are off until February 22nd in a, where they'll take on the Phoenix Suns at home. That's a big game. It's going to have massive tiebreaker implications. So uh, hopefully the Mavs can push their win streak to six going into the All-Star break. And finally, they're able to get some momentum. So uh, it was a great win for the Mavs tonight. Five games in a row, eight games over 500 on the season. That's the high water mark. So, uh, yeah, go Mavs. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And yeah, no problem, man. Take care. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks.